It is Thursday, June 25th. Time for another edition of the Come On Now MMA podcast. My name is Trent Reinsmith. I am the host. I want to start off today, talk about an interview that Mike Heck did with Max Roshkoff, um, where Max spoke about his fight on Saturday with Austin Hubbard. Um, So there's a lot of good stuff in this interview, and I just want to play some of it and comment on what uh, Roshkov had to say because it's very interesting. It gives uh, some real good insight into his thinking and into his, uh, I guess, psyche. Um, So here's the the first clip I want to play where he talks a little bit about his history and his past and how uh, what happened against Hubbard is not the first time that he's in his words, self-boycotted himself. I, and I've done this my whole life, I've, I've self-boycotted myself. I've always, even when I was wrestling in high school, uh, I was the best guy in the state, ended up getting third because I self-boycotted myself. I was one of the best guys in the country in college, was never an All-American when it counted because I was always kind of telling myself that for whatever reason, I don't deserve it. Uh, And then that's exactly what I did in my fight with uh, Austin. Uh, Shit got hard. And I basically told my... I looked at my coach and I was like, I don't want to be here anymore because not because I didn't want to be there, but because I didn't think I deserved to be there. This is a a really good point. And it's something that I think a lot of people struggle with. Um, I know that it's something that I've struggled with and continue to. You get to... uh, you get to a certain point, whatever it's in, whatever if whatever you choose to do at your career, um, and you keep working your way up, and you get to the well near the top maybe, and then you just think you know you you think you're a fraud, um, and then that gets in your head, and you just can't get it out, and then you know the easy way out is you know before I think the thinking is that before everyone finds out that you're a fraud, you just, you convince yourself that, you know what, I'm going to get out of this before everyone realizes that I I don't deserve to be in this. And it's, once that doubt gets in there, it's it's nearly impossible to get it out. And and then I think uh, you you get uh, in a situation where where Roshkoff was on, on Saturday. Now most of us, when we get in this situation, it's not on ESPN, and so, you know, it's a very small amount of people see it, and it never gets spoken about on podcasts, written about um, on MMA websites, commented on on social media. Those things don't, don't happen to most people. So I think, uh, I think many of us can understand where Rajkov was coming from here. Um, it sucks. It really sucks. And I, it's got to suck a thousand times more when it's on on TV. And 
like I said, I understand it because it's 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 not I'm it's not an unfamiliar feeling for me, and I'm sure other people have felt this way as well. So I'm glad that he took the time to explain that, um, and I I think that gives a little more insight into who he is as a person, and that this was something um, that he's dealt with before. This next clip, uh, Rajkov says um, that he didn't remember much after the first few seconds of the fight, that things just kind of got hazy for him after that, which was uncommon, which is uncommon for him. So I want to listen to this clip and comment on what he has to say uh, um, in this piece. No, that's not me at all. This is a different different feeling altogether. Yeah. Even uh, even like last uh, there there were a few sparring sessions ago. I was getting shark tanked or whatever. So like when people come in and like my, my coaches are like they they get like they like confused because I got fresh guys coming in on me nonstop in practice and I'm staying like calm and composed and like not really getting tired and having a really good training session considering a lot of fresh guys are coming in and you know like stuff doesn't rattle me and things like that but then for whatever reason when when i was in there everything just kind of fell apart for me and i think i got a lot of uh mental problems that i have to fix moving forward i think this just adds on to what uh rajkov said in his the first thing where he admits to self-sabotage he um he lost his focus. He's usually calm and cool and reserved and ready to, to you know, work under pressure. Um, but he just he just fell apart here. Um, I think this just plays into the fact that he got into his head and couldn't get out. And once, like I said earlier, once you're in there, it's hard to hard to deal with and it's hard and the easiest thing um, you can do is just remove yourself from that situation and if it's something you've done before you'll do it again and I think this is something that Daniel Cormier said when he said when he was talking to Ariel Hawani about the situation is that you can't let that doubt seep in and once you do, you you can never, I mean, you can get over it and work through it, but the option there is always there. So what Cormier said is you can never give yourself the option. And uh, if you've never had coaches or people around you who refuse to give you that option, and Cormier said he, he was in a situation where growing up and, and working through up to the Olympics and even now, um, his coaches and his teammates never gave him that option, and so he never took it. He said he's. I think what he said was he's been close and he's he's wanted to, but he never did. Uh, but I'm gonna assume here that from what Rashka says, he's, he's he has taken that option before, and now it's always there. Um, so when he speaks here at the end about uh, the mental issues that he's got to work through. I think that's what he's talking about, that this option is there now. And it's easy. it gets easy. I don't know if it gets easier to take, but it, it's, it is easy to take once you've 
once you've stepped over that line the first time, then it's always there. So I think a, a good thing for him to do would be to speak to a, a sports psychologist and, you know, go over that. This is self-sabotage has always been a problem. Why? And then you, I'm not going to delve into that because I don't know the guy, but I think that's the point where you really have to look at. Here's when it, when I can remember it first happening and all the other times it's happened and I, I need to stop happening and now that I'm at the highest level of the sport that I want to I want to do because now this is it it's either get over that hump or the, the regret will always be there that you you never did this next part is kind of difficult because Roshkov's clearly struggling to get through um, the conversation. It's tough for him to, to, to say what he wants to say and communicate what he wants to communicate, but I think this is an important part of what happened on Saturday. And the question is, when did he realize that he didn't have it? Something he said... Between the between rounds two and three, there was him saying he wanted out, and that he didn't have it. And the question here is, when did he? When did that realization for him come to light? Like the first like two minutes, man. And that's that. And that just that just comes from me. Uh, and, and, and people who people who know me and who have talked to me are going to understand this kind of deeply. Uh, I'm so ambitious that walking around like just day to day, like I'm almost never happy. Like I'm always trying to do better or get better. And my weakness is sometimes I I. We'll try to run away from what what's happening because I I've I kind of and hurrying a little bit every single day, trying to do something that I want more than anything, and it's hard sometimes when you have to see that. things aren't the way you want it to be. So it's kind of hard for you to, to smell the roses, I guess. Yeah. At all. So, like I said, kind of tough to, to listen to there, but again, very important. So this is a, a very talented kid. He's 25. Let's not forget that 25. This is sixth professional MMA fight burst in the UFC took it on short notice so clearly very driven clearly has an ideal of where he wants to be knows he can achieve good great things because he's he's been on the precipice of those things before and self-sabotaged before and so he, he he seems to have a good understanding of everything that's holding him back 
And I think this is just someone who just needs that little extra to get to get through it. And you, you kind of root for this kid now that you that you see everything that's going on. Um, that's going on in his head and uh, yeah so hopefully he, he can work through this like you said it seems like he's got I'd say 90% of the way there he's just got to get that next 10% break through that and and really I think if once that happens then he'll he'll get a good idea of where he really stands in in the in the world of MMA and 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 what he can do and it's it's just that he's got to he's just got to get over that hump and it sounds and feels that it's not a it's not a talent kind of thing because of I mean Drysdale is not unfamiliar with seeing talent and if he was so high on this kid after five professional fights that he's bragging him up to the UFC well, there's something there. There's something that he sees that that tells him that this kid can do something special. And so now it's just a matter of, I mean, maybe Drivesdale and Rajkov and, like I said, uh, maybe a sports psychologist working through all this and getting him to that next mental level. Because clearly his coaches see the talent is there. And obviously the UFC has agrees some in some way with that because they wouldn't have put him in a situation that they did if if they didn't see something there so i think there's self-awareness here which is great to see and it's just that next step but that's a huge step i think Roshkov has the right attitude i think he's self-aware i think he should get another shot in the ufc I think he can overcome what held him back in this fight and I hope I hope he gets another UFC fight. And I I would encourage everyone to listen to this full interview with him because um it gets kind of emotional in, in throughout it and it's a good interview. Um you get a, uh, some real good insight into into Rajkov and his relationship with with Robert Drivesdale. And I, I, hope the, uh, I hope he gets another shot, like I said. So I want to talk a bit about the UFC, official UFC rankings. Yesterday, Eric Kowal from my MMA News, and I might be butchering his name, but I'll, I did my best there, um, tweeted out a, a sheet the voting committee gets um, before every fight card, and on that document, which is called the rankings brief, there are suggestions as to how uh, a fighter should be um, ranked with a win or a loss. And I spoke to the person that writes these up, um, and if you want to read the story, it's on Bloody Elbow. And so the person that writes him up, he said that the idea isn't to, they're not suggestions, they're just kind of notes 
for for what the voters should look in look for. Um, they can choose to ignore them if they want. And I uh, also we spoke to a couple people who anonymously told us that they 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 do ignore them because they watch the fights and they consider the the rankings and how to place them on their own. And I. I would hope that was going to be the case with most people that do the UFC, the official UFC rankings. But the, if you've been following the rankings at all, you know there's always been kind of suspicions of that they're not really done well, and that the people that are on the the rankings committee aren't people that many are familiar with in the MMA media. So you won't find um, many people from, or any, I don't believe any people from MMA Junkie, MMA Fighting, Bloody Elbow, The Athletic, uh, MMA Mania, uh, and and any of the the, the quote-unquote bigger sites on the rankings committee. And, but you will find some other folks who you might not be familiar with. And Ben Folks and Chad Dundas spoke about this on the co-main event where they said that they actually looked at some of these uh, websites that do the rankings, the individuals from the websites, and the websites are no longer active. And and then that's not all of them. That was just some, I think. And that makes me, that worries me. And it should worry everyone that is involved with the UFC. And that includes the fighters because when it suits them, the UFC does use these rankings. Um, And when it doesn't suit them, they don't use them, but they do use them when it makes sense for them to use them, which it is what it is there, and that's something the UFC always does. But if if these people that aren't covering the, the sport on a daily basis are using these rankings uh, briefs as how they rank folks, well then, these are suggestions that are adhered to. And that is not in any way good. Um, the, the, folk, the guy that writes these up said that UFC does not um, offer any suggestions or tips or have any editorial input. But... And I think I do believe him when he says that his they are just written to be a primer and to to help people out. Um, I think he was genuine in in saying that. But I also think that folks that don't use the that don't watch every fight are going to use these those suggestions as a way to vote. Um, case in point is the the suggestion that Shane Burgos Burgos drop. Uh, four spots if he loses to Josh Emmett. Now, he did lose, but it was fight of the night. It's going to be in running for fight of the year. And so a, a drop of four for that, that seems a little a little harsh and a little a little off base to me. I would have I dropped him maybe one because it was such a good fight. And Emmett didn't move at all, even though he would have moved up over someone, uh, Frankie Edgar. I would have moved him. I would have moved him up above Edgar because Edgar um, hasn't had as good a run as as Emmett has as of late. 
that didn't happen. And if you read the suggestions, those kind of rankings fell in line with what was suggested was was suggested in the in the primer there. So my suggestion for these would be don't don't offer up suggestions on how folks should move in the rankings. Just give details of stats um, and and his, historical fights and and things of that nature. Numbers. Let uh, just provide numbers and stats and 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 that, and let the the uh, the rankings people decide where people should move to with a win or a loss because I think um, if folks aren't going to watch the fights but still want to be on the rankings committee they're gonna they're just going to take what these suggestions are they're going to see them as maybe this is how the UFC wants us to vote and that's what I'm going to do because I'm on the rankings committee um, if you provide just flat stats and numbers well they don't lie and they also don't offer suggestions so I was kind of surprised to see this, and I was also kind of surprised to learn that these this primer has been going out for years. And I, my feeling is they couldn't, they can influence people, and if the primer is going to keep coming out, it needs to change. So, if you want to read a little more about that, uh, Ben Folks spoke to Shane Burgos on the Athletic about how he dropped in the rankings, and I have my story up on uh, Bloody Elbow about it. And I think that it's essential that these things, the primers, the briefs, they change and they remove any mention of suggestion of where these fighters should be ranked uh, going forward. I really hope that that starts with, uh, if not with UFC on ESPN 12 on Saturday at, at at least with UFC 251 in July. So something needs to change here. Um, I, I'm glad that Eric tweeted this out, and I'm happy that the people spoke to us, me and other folks at Bloody Elbow about this, and I really hope there's a change because it doesn't look good, especially with how the rankings have been looked at by fighters and the media. Um, since they were really launched. So it doesn't feel like they're in, they're truly independent, and that needs to change. Well, John Jones has painted himself into a corner a bit. So he appeared on Steve-O's Wild Ride podcast, did some talking about uh, sitting out, um... And here's what he had to say. And if I have to have a bad relationship with Dana, sit out for two years, three years to bring light to what's happening, then these are the things people remember you for more than winning belts. I stood for the young fighters. So what Jones thinks is going to happen here is that he's going to sit out two to three years and that is going to somehow boost pay for younger fighters in the UFC. It's a good idea. It's a nice thought. But it's not going to ha happen. Because the UFC, as we saw last year, they had a great year. $900 million in revenue, I think it was. And Conor McGregor didn't fight 
So if the UFC can make record numbers without its biggest star, what do you think it's going to do without its second biggest star? It's not going to sweat John Jones being out, just like it's not going to sweat Jorge Masvidal being out, just like it's not going to sweat Nick and Nate Diaz being out. The UFC is designed to promote and function and bring in money for the UFC. Those three letters mean more to the to the, the brand than any fighter. That's by design, and that is what the Fertitta brothers did better than anything else. They promoted the brand. They promoted Dana White far more than they promoted any fighter, and it paid dividends, literally, to them. Uh, and it'll do the same going forward. No fighter is irreplaceable. Sure, the UFC would love to have Conor McGregor fight. They'd love to have John Jones fight. But if the but if not having them fight keeps fighter pay low throughout the other six hundred fighters on the roster, well, they'll they'll sacrifice that for the the long term gain. So, John Jones thinking that inaction is going to bring about action is incorrect. All inaction is going to do is get him stripped of his title, add time to his contract, because every time the UFC offers him a fight and he turns it down for any reason, his contract extends, and I think it's six months. I might be incorrect on that, so that's not a quote, but it extends for a significant amount of time. So if he turns down six fights and it's six months of extended contract time, well, now the UFC just added three more years to his contract. So, all that does is prevent him from making a living. So, he'll eventually either come back or end up retiring. And even if he retires, that contract stays with him. And if he ever wants to fight, he's tied to the UFC. What Jones needs to do, what Jones should do, is work with his managers, the Kawa brothers, and organize some kind of association, some kind of fighters association, um, and do something active, pursue some kind of action. John Jones has made a lot of money in the UFC, I mean, relative to other fighters. If he wants to, he could also take the UFC to court over the contracts and this was in Jonathan Snowden's story in Bleacher Report a few years ago where Snowden got a, a labor lawyer I believe it was to go through the contract and on more than one point in that contract it was Eddie Alvarez's contract the lawyer said this would not hold up in court so if Jones wants to hold out for two or three years Take the UFC to court on the contract. That'll help younger fighters. That'll help all fighters. He could also join the group that's trying to get the Ali Act in, in, in the MMA. He could do that. What he can't do is just sit out and be inactive. He can't just sit on his hands and think that that's going to do something. It's not. The UFC will strip him of his title. They'll bury him and they'll tie him up to a contract that'll just more or less never end. And they'll act at some point 
like John Jones didn't exist. It happened to Randy Couture. It can happen to John Jones. If Jones wants to help, he needs to take an active role, not an inactive role. Sitting out does nothing. It does nothing for Jones. It does nothing for the fighters. It does nothing at all. So Jones, if I could offer any advice, Jones should team up with other powerful fighters and other powerful managers and work as a, a unit to move this through, to expose things. If Jorge Masvidal wants to sit out and retire, if Conor McGregor wants to sit out and retire, you put those three fighters together they pr- and their managers, they probably have enough power to at least get this thing to court and, and, and try and do something with the contract. They could, they could go in with the group of, for trying to get the Ali Act. They could do a lot of things, but just sitting out and doing nothing, it doesn't help anybody. And with that, that's going to be a wrap for Thursday, June 25th, the Come On Now MMA podcast. And I might be back tomorrow, so I got a lot of stuff I didn't hit on yet this week. So until then, stay safe.